I can't come here and die. I can't come here and lose. Got all this shit on my mind. Like, what the fuck I'm a day? Work ain't paid me in time. My baby just ripped me my mood. No two just cut off my line. Hi, guys. And welcome to the Echo Chamber. I'm Jade. And I'm Ez. And today, we're going to talk a bit about therapy. So we are going to do things a bit differently because we have a therapist joining us. So, Laura, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, guys. My name's Laura. I'm an integrative psychotherapist, writer, and an author, a new author, actually, self-published. Can I just say, <laughs> yeah, that Laura is one of my best friends. We've been friends for over 13 years, longer than that. Anyway. And so hearing Laura talk, like, seriously about anything always just makes me laugh. So if I'm being silly in this episode, I'm going to seek very hard to take this episode very seriously because it's a serious topic. But the dynamic between... I, I, whenever I see Laura with her professional hat on or her, like, non-friend hat on, I find it really funny because in a, in a friendship setting, if, yeah, this isn't how you are. So, yeah, just going to put yeah. that out there. True. I think because I'm I'm always doing fun things. Everything is always funny. That's the problem. <laughs> I take things very seriously when I do. And to be fair, I do think you 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 start to um take on when I'm when I'm taking things seriously. I think it's just very awkward because I feel the same about you, to be honest. But it shows that we live a very free life in that sense. Yeah, you you didn't need to throw the shade back, but I hear you though. I agree. But yeah, I'm saying it, I'm naming it at the beginning so I can hold myself accountable because actually I think this could be a very rich conversation if I'm taking it seriously. But yeah, so on that note, that should lead into the opening question. Today is what was the last thing you discussed in therapy? Okay, so I was seeing a transactional analysis therapist and I think there was a lot of existentialism practice there so it was a lot about taking responsibility and accountability. We were discussing about breakups in family dynamics and relationships and stuff and I was speaking about a specific time. I, I mentioned that oh, I was having a breakdown. It was a very interesting time. Um, Esma would have remembered this and I was in Sainsbury's and this was probably like nine months past the situation and I was listening to Stormzy's song Lessons and it just hit a nerve and I literally broke down in the middle of Sainsbury's like it was so uncontrollable I wasn't making noise I was just trying to hide behind the bread owl and I was just like crying crying and then when I went to therapy I spoke about it and I just kept saying that I had a breakdown etc and she spoke about it being a breakthrough and at first I was just kind of like, no, it's a breakdown. Like it, it's, it's a breakdown. I know it is. And she just kind of like unraveled like why it could be a breakthrough. I guess from there, like it took me a lot of time to kind of process the difference between breakdowns and breakthroughs, which was interesting. I guess since then, I kind of still find myself in between. That is really, really interesting. And how does it feel that the last thing that you spoke about, do you not feel like you need to flesh it out a little bit more? Or did you go away and do that by yourself? Because that was like beginning of the pandemic. My therapist had um, some personal things going on as well. So we had to come to like an abrupt ending. I went off and did a lot of the work myself, but I definitely still felt like I should go back in. Because to be fair, we've got 
as therapists, we have supervision anyway. So there's a lot of things you can share there that was kind of covered, but it's definitely something that I'd go back in for just because, yeah, it did kind of feel like the beginning of something. In my last therapy session with my like talking therapist, I discussed my writing and perfectionism and procrastination. Um, and that's actually the theme. So I'm work- because I'm working towards some deadlines at the moment, I have said that I would like to focus exclusively on that for now. So that has been a theme, an ongoing theme that we've been discussing. Came like a point of realization that I gained from the conversation was when I don't want to do things, they're harder. So I think there is, I think I've kind of, I in my mind, I've lumped, I've lumped everything together. So I've lumped everything together as like procrastination or um imposter syndrome or all these different like things that come up as and serve as barriers to me getting things done um but I think through that conversation in my last conversation with my therapist I was able to see that actually there are some things that don't come under that bracket um the, the resistance is the fact that I don't want to do do them um and I think there is a there is an overarching narratives that I have within myself about not being good enough um, and as this spills out into different areas of my life but um the way that it manifests writing is that take on things that I don't even particularly want to do but still feel the need to prove myself that last conversation I found that really helpful because it um encouraged me that obviously I'm committed to things at the moment um that I can't get out of uh, at different projects that I can't get out of or that well not that I can't get out of but that I've committed to gonna kind of see them through to the end but after this I'm, I'm gonna be a lot more intentional about what I take on um, and really sit with myself and like, do you want to do this? And if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. Um, because that's the things that I do want to do, even if they're difficult, even if that imposter syndrome or different barriers pop up, I can usually work through them without it being too painful. So yeah, so that was with that therapist and then with my tapping therapist, um, the last conversation we had was about um, relationships. Um, intimate relationships and certain patterns that um, I wanted to tap through it was a sick conversation it was a very sick conversation it um, was very very informal Um, she was really open about her experiences of relationships as well which I found that I think with therapy is interesting because I think you a therapist really needs to and Laura will talk a little bit more about this balance actually as we go into the episode but I think really needs to hold the thin line between oversharing taking up the client's space and sharing as a point of connection um, or as a point of or, or the teaching as a way to teach and I think that like that conversation really she really um like struck the balance perfectly in that I felt that that her sharing very much benefited me and opened my eyes to things particularly she's an older black woman so particularly kind of in that context there was like me kind of her kind of sharing from a place of wisdom and I felt really seen and I felt really heard that was those were my last two conversations with my therapists how about you Jade? I remember the first time my therapist modeled for me essentially I feel like it's like a modeling and it was like a proper breakthrough for me the last thing I spoke about in therapy was um or the thing that stood out 
to me the most. I feel like I had a realization that um, the lockdown and this like pandemic, so working from home and like doing things from home is helping me to remain in my shell ever so slightly. And she just kind of confronted me about the prospect of not even the prospect because things will go back to normal. But she just kind of confronted me about um, the fact that all of these things that you're doing, you're going to have to do them, do them out in the world properly at a point, lecturing and that, like you're going to be in the lecture theatre, standing in front of students at some point, maybe not this semester, but, you know, at a point that's going to come, for example. And there's other things going on with like other projects at the moment I'm able to hide behind Zoom essentially I'm having meetings over Zoom or I'm negotiating things over the phone and blah 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 and there's a confidence that I have a willingness to navigate and to take certain steps but a large part of that is I get to do it from like my bed <laughs> like I'm doing it from my bed I'm doing it from the comfort of my home and like yeah the the prospect of doing it for real for real is really scary and being in lockdown and doing it is really giving me an element of safety um, in doing all of these things. And that was just really interesting, that revelation or that realisation. Can I just say, I found the oversharing um, comment from your therapist very interesting. I definitely like to get into that a bit because especially with clients that are starting therapy um, for the first time, there's this reliance on the therapist having the answer for them. So I think we have to do a lot of psychoeducation and really be mindful of what, what we're doing. Because sometimes there's been therapists who have shared personal things and it's taken up the space. So I guess wanting to know from your side where you felt that it was she wasn't oversharing where you felt overwhelmed. It was just the right time. Because I've actually had a therapist that shared personal things and it was just okay. Then um, I've had experiences where it was just a bit like, I'm starting to get confused whose session this is now. So just being mindful about that. So I've had an experience where I felt that the therapist was taking up the space. I spoke about it in the episode, my therapist was a bitch. So that therapist didn't like, and I don't like, I'm not happy that I use that word to describe her, to be honest. I'm not, I'm not proud of myself for using that word to describe her. That therapist, I genuinely felt like um, the sessions that I had with her were her, it was her, it was her agenda. It was her projections or her ideas of me. And I might be wrong, but that's how it felt. It very much felt like she wanted me to get in place. So she, based on what I told her, she had a judgment me. And she thought that there were things about me that would I would benefit from engaging with. And she wanted she would it felt like she was on an agenda to get me to that place. And interestingly, she didn't share about herself at all. She didn't do that through over sharing. It was more like how I felt about where she was steering me, firstly, but also there just didn't feel like there was a lot of space to sit with my agenda of where I wanted to be or work at my pace. Um, so that experience was horrible in terms of that, what happened in this session. So it's interesting because I've had three therapists that I've really fucked with, like really, really, really fucked with. They're all extremely different, like very, very different. The only common denominator is that 
they are black women. One of them is a trace woman. That's the only kind of common denominator is that they're non-white women, but they're different ages. They're different. They have this they that have different disciplines, so different like types of therapy, different approaches, different personalities, different backgrounds, like totally different. The thing that I think I find helpful is with all three, I feel like they've got to know me before they've even began to bring themselves into the space. And so I think through getting to know me, like they're able to gauge when it's appropriate to bring themselves into the space in a way that is helpful. With this session, the session that I described it was the perfect time for her to talk about her experience. I am at a place in this specific relationship where the questions that I'm asking myself, like I can't have the foresight because I haven't had the experience, so that I can't predict what's going to happen. And not to say that like, gee, not to say that her experience is going to be my experience, but by her saying, oh, this was in my experience. And again, it's not even that she came and gave me big story, started saying names of her exes or the, no, but by her sharing, this is how I overcame my experience. It was very helpful for me to see a potential outcome um, based on that similar experience. But I think more importantly, this specific situation that I was that I brought to her, there's a there was a lot of like uncertainty and shame mm-hmm. around this situation. So I think by her sharing that, listen, I've had similar experiences, it helped me to alleviate some of the shame or confront some of that shame, like not feel so, yeah, not to not feel the need to kind of hide and open up more to the. So I think she did really well. And I think that all the therapists that I've had have done really well in bringing their, themselves in at a point that is where actually know me well enough to gauge it. So not like from day one, trying to now tell me their business or tell me about them, themselves, but they've allowed room to kind of get to know me, to gauge my my needs and to gauge my experiences. And from that point, maybe brought themselves in. And even when they've brought themselves in it's been as a stimulus as opposed to a a change topic so it's not that oh now we're going to talk about this it's more I'm going to offer this and let's talk let's talk about how that relates to you or does relate to you similar experiences that's really interesting very quickly I, I my good experience with um a therapist sharing her personal experience was actually in our first and only session actually um and to be honest, it was our only session because I was in the middle of kind of triaging who I should go to. But for certain reasons, I couldn't stick to this lady. But I'd, I'd love to go back to her at some point. And we had very similar situations. But this was, I guess, when she was much younger, because she's about 20 or 30 years older than me. There was just a therapeutic connection that happened very quickly that allowed her to for her to feel safe enough to even do that. So I think sometimes we're worried as clients about feeling safe to, I guess, really like expose what's going on. But the therapist also has to feel quite safe with the client as well. Yeah, she spoke about um, a time where she went through quite a rough um, relationship and what happened there. And it was just very nice to know that we're connecting on on something the way she did it there was no room for me to ask any questions about it anyway she would probably challenge me if I did but it just gave me the space to know that I could go deeper at that point because 
I know as a client, I have a tendency to go around the park to see where the therapist can take me. And I think she noticed that very quickly and perhaps brought herself in one so that she can show that she can relate to me, but two, because she noticed what I was doing. But it was really, really good. Sometimes that that can be important. And your experience shows that like it's allowed you to really like open up and tap into areas that you probably didn't even know that you needed to tap into. So I guess it can be important. And maybe it's actually time to to share those experiences because we're always hearing the negatives um, and like, you know, where therapists are taking up too much space and doing this and that. But there's a reason for everything. And I guess sometimes it's just about agency and the therapist just kind of probably working with a client that they can see is quite finding it hard to, to reach a certain place and probably use that as a filler so yeah that's that's quite interesting so I thought that um she had crossed the boundary initially when mm. um she shared her experience I and I thought that was because of the the familiarity that myself and my therapist had and have because she's an older black woman so initially I actually thought that she um, had overstepped a boundary um, and it was but I could identify how necessary it was if that was the case and so it's interesting that we're having this conversation now because it's interesting that we have conversations about therapy more and more broadly because actually she isn't in in some ways in some of her methodology like she isn't actually oversharing or overstepping boundaries um, in the ways that I might think that she is and I think that that is definitely a reflection maybe of my very binary ideas about therapy and a therapist and because she goes against some of those things being a black woman and all of that and maybe I just have some expectations that there's certain things that she's going to be unprofessional with actually Um, so maybe that's something I need to think about when she did share her personal experience I think that she did it to um, also help to soothe me because I kept going to her with the same thing. Um, and it was something that was a big source of like shame. And yeah, I felt like I was having a breakdown at that point in my life. But yeah, she allowed me to keep coming session after session. And then one day she just kind of was like, um, I'm going to I'm going to tell you something. Um, and I've, I don't tell people this. And I've never I've definitely never told a client this. But this was my experience yeah essentially you're not alone these things can and do happen to people and I would like to invite you to understand like the wider situation essentially um she was trying to get me to talk about my parents and how my foundational relationships can like fed into the relationships I was having um as an adult I just wanted to talk about the very contemporary like relationships I was having at the time I think there is something to unpick about that word professional. And I think it applies across the board in all sectors. There is that, what do we mean? What do we really mean when we say professional? Um, But then I also think in the context of therapy, so one of the reasons why I advocate so strongly for Black people to have access to Black therapists is because there's a level of that cultural competency and connection there's an ease uh, to connection that I that I have experienced that I didn't experience with white therapists that's not to say that I couldn't work with a white therapist actually now more than ever before I could probably work with a black therapist but I do think that um when we speak about that so you saying that you feel that her sharing in that way your original kind of interpretation of it was that it was unprofessional Mm. 
I think that um, actually maybe it's not how things are traditionally done, but I think that actually with the type of experiences we have had, like all three of us have shared the benefit of therapists being able to to share parts of themselves um, because I think our experiences are so far from the quote-unquote norm. Mm -hmm. So like some of the things Mm -hmm. I've gone to therapy Mm -hmm. with like there are there's only a handful of people that can have those conversations with like the context so maybe not the underlying fact factors or the underlying feelings or yada 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 I do think that at our root we're all the same like I really do believe that at our root we're all kind of searching for love searching for safety connection yada yada but I think that the specific manifestations of um are very unique to my experience of the world as a black woman and I think that a therapist being able to one being able to so having the range the capacity and the lived experience to be able to say oh I've had an experience that's similar is really powerful but then also knowing when to and how to so I don't think I don't think it's unprofessional for them to share but I do think it's knowing when and how and that's actually what what makes that act professional or unprofessional as opposed to them sharing being unprofessional or crossing boundaries um but I don't know Laura you're, you're probably in a better position to talk about like the rules if there are rules or what best practice is for a therapist in terms of like sharing themselves in spaces and what actually what do you think as a black female therapist what do you think about um in your practice sharing? Going back to my experience of when the therapist shared, she was actually a, um, so this was a, a white therapist, well, or Eastern European. When she shared her experience, my first thought was, oh my gosh, wow. And I guess my first thought was that because I'd realised that culturally I'd been sworn to secrecy. It wasn't normal for somebody that is 20, 30 years older than me to share what's going on with her in that kind of content. If somebody's going to share something with you, it's like because they have to, because something's about to happen, etc. But that was actually a very safe and very pure example of like sharing is okay. So I think there's this when you talk about this, like it not being professional for me, I know what you mean, because I, I felt like I saw it as like this is culturally wrong, but. The ideologies that we have, like, of, you know, the things that we've grown up with and, I guess, in different professions. So, like, therapy is completely different. So there's no, like, right or wrong rule of a therapist being able to share or not. It's completely down to them. I guess it's just about being very mindful and having boundaries about what you're sharing. And I guess if your client is going to want to, like, challenge that or ask questions, knowing how you can navigate around that, I think sometimes it is important because it's helped clients. And I guess sometimes before sharing, really going through, like not overdoing it, but going through questions in your mind of really asking, is is this going to be relevant? Is this going to be important for my client? Is this going to help my client move forward or, you know, tap into certain things? So I think it's just about being self-aware as a therapist and going through those questions before putting yourself in that position. I personally, in my journey, haven't, um bought anything personal um in the session but what I've done is within summary or paraphrasing I can find a way to sit with my client where they can feel like I'm I'm empathizing with them um mm. so the, 
feel like they're going through this alone. So there's just the ways that I would say things that would make them feel that I, I get what they're saying without having to bring myself in it. But that's not to say that I'm never going to bring myself in it. There's still a long journey for me to go. So I guess it's just about the right time, the right client, the right moment. Mm. Yeah, um, her sharing definitely um, helped uh, like bring about a major shift. Probably the first like breakthrough in my experience in therapy um but yeah I definitely did think okay I saw all of the positives I, I was very aware of the positives and how it worked for me but I I was of the assumption that she was unprofessional and she did something unprofessional to to my benefit but I did I had the assumption that it was unprofessional at the time um and I think that this is why these conversations that we have like on the podcast and that we're having now with you Laura are so like necessary and important because I also think that as a community and culturally we also walk into the therapeutic space not knowing what to expect at all not really so I remember once a friend a former friend she was beginning therapy and um I suggested to her that she should write a letter to her therapist outlining like what she wants to gain from the experience because it was just like "Mm, I know that I'm going to therapy because I feel shit or because I keep crying or because I can't get out of bed at the weekends or whatever like it might manifest as um in a really clear way in in one's everyday life but I don't know like I don't know much beyond that yeah, I think what Laura said as well was really about it's also a two-way thing. So the therapist feeling safe, so partly about us feeling safe enough to share, but the feeling safe enough in that context to share as well. And I really think that, like, for me, more than, like, any of the tools that I've learned in therapy over the four years of being in therapy, um, more than any of the tools that I've learned, what I have gained deep understanding of like what relationship how transformative relationship can be so safe relationships can really like change perspective and have changed my life basically having safety in the therapeutic relationships that I've had have been super transformative for me um but I I guess it's very interesting like hearing Laura talk about that safety being um two ways almost so actually like therapists that have felt comfortable to share um then that yeah it being a a thing of safety for them as well what are the rules in terms of like safety and relationships what are the rules because I think as long as like there are parameters so for example the conversation that I had with my tapping therapist um about relationships if this was me at the beginning of a therapeutic relationship I think I would have I could have looked at that that conversation as unprofessional um it was very informal um, there was also like I was making projections of the fact that this is an older black woman who makes me feel like there's there's a warmth to her that is very mothering different to the other two therapists that I've worked with um successfully there's like a warmth and a very like motherly and she's like so for example her saying she's proud of me it feels really different to my other therapist saying she's proud of me and not even that it feels better or worse, but it just feels different because it's some older black women saying it. There's a very like, 
yeah, there's a, there's a mother daughter dynamic mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. that is just there, that is just naturally there. Um, so I know that me, in terms of like when I think of what a therapeutic space should be, if you ask me this in 2016 before I'd started therapy I would have thought about like a couch and somebody lying down somebody holding a clipboard asking probing questions warmth wasn't something that I would place in the therapy space what I'm describing as quote-unquote unprofessional or like the thing that was like the informal nature of the conversation that may have um, I may have previously described as unprofessional actually what what it is 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 the feeling of warmth but also the feeling mm. of like cultural like the like just a cultural understanding so there's certain things that I can say to her or that I said to her conversation that when she's telling me she gets it I know she gets it from a from a lived experience place so when you're talking about the man is doing this or that but I know that she gets the man is she gets what the man is doing do you know what I mean engaging with black men I know that you get what I'm saying and like I know that you get the layers to that as well so you know that this story isn't just my story even though we're talking about my experience of a common story basically that happens in our community basically and I know that you get that I trust that you get that in the ways that if I had like a middle-class white female therapist or male therapist I wouldn't trust that you get that context the thing that I would would be describing as quote-unquote unprofessional is more about my expectation as opposed to like it actually being unprofessional. She didn't, we're still very much work within our boundaries of our therapeutic relationship. A hundred, a hundred. What you said was so, so, so deep. I'm not going to lie to you. What you said has been bare deep. And again, like this is why I think that these conversations have also in tandem with the therapy have like, made it so transformative and like have have invoked so many shifts because again as I said like you're walking into this space and yeah like similar my my therapist that I've had from the beginning of my therapy journey has been an older black woman and I have felt all of that that warmth like she greeted me with a hug was the first thing that she did she asked for permission but she greeted me with a hug was the first thing that she did when I met her and yeah, there's always been that warmth and safety and it feels very mothering. Assumptions about therapy, those two things just don't don't fit when we think about what we what presented on television. But actually with what you're saying is I can just, that was deep. Law, do you want to share a bit about why you got into practicing therapy? What your journey into that was? Yeah, um, I guess this started when I was like 18, 19. Um, I had gone through um, quite a difficult time and I don't know when, I don't know how, but I received a text to go and see a therapist. So I don't even know how that referral process um, um, went about. And um, I went to see this therapist and it was a white middle-aged female and I wasn't ready for therapy. One, because I didn't know what it what it was what I'm supposed to be doing um I was very fresh out of the situation and that was experiencing so I kind of just went there um I I wouldn't even say open-minded I was actually quite closed um in fact I just basically followed protocol I sat in the room and it was literally what you was explaining about sitting on the sofa 
and the therapist being there, just that very like TV structured kind of therapy. Until now, to be honest, I, I don't know what modality she practices. And it was just very, I'm, I'm gauging now from the way the conversation went, she was probably in between person-centered and existential probably. Um, but there was just nothing from her. She expected me to do a lot of the talking. And at that point, I wasn't in a place where I wanted to do any talking. Um, I definitely think there was a cultural clash there. There was ju- It just wasn't good at all. Um, to the point where she actually said to me, so if I don't ask any questions, I guess we'll just be sitting here. And I replied, yes. I was very rebellious then as well. So I... I kind of was warring with her as well because I just felt like I I don't need this help. I actually cut the session off very um, short and I left and I just thought, I'm never doing this again. But very quickly, I felt like there was like a shift that happened in that moment. And to be fair, I think I was very egocentric at that point as well. I just realised that it's not that I didn't like the therapeutic process I just didn't connect with the therapist that's just what it was and that stayed with me for a very long time in all of my like friendship groups family dynamics I've always been the I guess the mum or the big sister the agony aunt so there was always that that thing of me being a helper and to be fair I actually wanted to be a midwife so there's always this thing of me helping someone give birth to something I guess guess now it's changed into what we're giving birth to. I studied um, psychology and education. So I knew that I wanted to do something where I was speaking to people, but I knew it was a bit deeper than counselling. So I did some research around it and I found out that it was um, psychotherapy, but then also um, integrative psychotherapy. So with integrative psychotherapy, we actually practice all the different modalities, so psychodynamics, CBT, person-centered and so yeah that's what I wanted to to do and it was the hardest process ever because there is barely any black people that do it and even if they do it's very rare that black people finish so even when you see websites like the black and Asian network because it's specifically black um, and people of color that are on the website you think that there's so many therapists of that ethnicity but there's not like on my course um, there's only two of us two or three of us that are black um, and we're in a class of 25 so already that's very imbalanced so I wanted to get into that because I really wanted to understand why I didn't enjoy my therapy process at um, 18, 19 and I wanted to learn the importance of boundaries because even just in conversations with friends and families we're advising but there came a point where something was happening in those conversations where I was carrying um, the heavyweight bag and I knew that was wrong and I guess going into this profession it's really taught me you know how to assert boundaries set boundaries what is theirs and what's mine just all of these different things that are now literally taking me back to my team and literally starting over again and to be honest I just felt like I'm very tired of going to places that there's barely any black young females because there there are a few black females um, therapists but they are also quite middle-aged probably in their 40s etc 
barely any young ones. Obviously, times are changing now, so we're seeing a difference. But I, I, I wanted to go somewhere and take up the space effectively. And that's what I'm doing. And that's what I continue to do. What you said about helping people to give birth to something was really beautiful, by the way, Laura. Um, would you mind being really specific about like your um, exact journey as in like the qualifications that you obtained or like are in the process of doing because I think in I mean in my head I know that my assumption was oh you had to study psychology then you had to do a master's then you had to do a PhD before you were qualified um, psychotherapist. Studying I guess studying psychology um, and education because of like the things that you would do with the work you do with people, um, they'll consider you um, straight away, but you don't actually have to come from, from that um, background. You can actually, you could have studied anything as undergrad um, and then you do a master's, whether that's just counseling or psychotherapy, but it's more about in the interview stage, they're really testing to see how you can hold the space and if you can hold the space for people. So it's really comes down to that and so yeah so if you would have studied I guess let's say biochemistry and you wanted to get into that so it's about looking for a course um, and I think it's very important because a lot of people go through a very long route that they don't have to just looking for a counselling or psychotherapy course that is BACP or UKCP accredited so depending on which one you choose it could be between two to five years that would be the the starting point and you do that for so my one specifically because it's it's very intense and because I went for the in integrative um, model it had to do it over two years and then after two years um, you go for a lot of assessments um, so you become qualified um, but you'll still be on the course but to be accredited um, which is why the course is two years because you have to get about 450 hours to become BACP accredited yeah you'll go on to do your placement so you become qualified and accredited after two years after that depending on what you want to go into some people want to specialize in certain modalities you then go in to do either a PhD so I will be going into a PhD um, research because of what I want to do but other than that you'd go into further CPDs um, depending on what you want to do and you have to continuously do CPDs to remain um, accredited by the BACP so you're constantly in a course which is why um, it seems to be like a very long journey. CPD? Continuous professional development yeah so you'll continuously do that just to what they even say is to remain um, relevant within your practice to be honest they want to know that you are consciously making the effort to explore and learn more about the field that you're in so those two years are the first step of actually getting into becoming a psychotherapist or a counsellor it sounds a bit similar to like um like a doctor or something like that continuous yeah. stuff yeah yeah exactly it's literally the same process I just don't think that people know I think there's so many assumptions about the trajectory in so I thought it would be helpful to like actually outline this is how this is how you do it or this is how you can do it. Because I didn't either. And to be fair, I think for a year before I started, I was looking around of the different ways of how I could get in. And to be fair, you have to be very careful because there's a lot of courses that are not accredited that you put your money in and get nothing out of it. So it's really important to know the accrediting bodies 
and then know the kind of courses you needed to get into because some of them will have you in courses for a very long time and they're just about foundation level whereas you could have used that to actually go on an accredited course so yes yeah, it's, it's very important to, to know the steps I'd suggest to look on the BACP and UKCP website and they have clear instructions they actually have a page where they have the different institutions that are accredited by them so that's the, the best ways for people to explore that. Why do you think that there are so few that people studying to be psychotherapists because from my position I want to do I think I want to be a therapist I, I want to be very different things in it so I think I want to do it at some point in my life I think I want to um, be a therapist I remember saying this to my therapist or my previous therapist that I wanted to do the work first but at that point particularly was still kind of really working through my own trauma and I'm still working through my own trauma and I remember her saying to me why do you want to do it later why don't you want to do it now um, and we had like a bit of a conversation about it, it wasn't that deep that is like very pro-therapy I think there's the conversation about that yeah there are not like not a lot of black people or not all black people are pro-therapy or have an understanding of therapy and I guess we know that we know that argument or we've we see that but then for people that are pro-therapy or that do have an understanding or do have positive experiences of therapy what do you think it is that prevents that people from getting into studying psychotherapy? Personally I think one of my personal takes on it is that black people are very educated very capable and would make very great um, therapists will make very great different things but I think there's a lack of confidence in a lot of black people that prevent us from moving forward and that could be based on so many different things that get us to that place. When you're going into that into this specific journey so for me personally I didn't get accepted on the course for about two years and for me to go back the third year um, took a lot of confidence, a lot of self-actualization um, for me to think, no, I, I need to be in this place. In that process, um, a lot of Black people can just feel like there, there's no point. Um, like I'm not going to continue with this and just kind of defer to something else. So there's a level of resilience that you have to have because you're not always going to get accepted um, straight away. Obviously, when I got on the course, I saw that who is clearly favoured. But also they're looking for specific kind of people and sometimes that's race taken away and sometimes that's race getting in depending on who's um, doing the selection process but they're looking for a certain kind of person and I guess it's about if you see yourself as that kind of person so as you mentioned you want to do the work first which is is great but you have to do the work throughout the journey there's this thing of being so ready for something but you never know until you get into it. And also, I guess for a very long time, as Black people, we've seen therapy as this like white privilege service. So a lot of people just probably feel like that's just not where they deserve to be or belong. So I guess with time, just stripping away from that. Um, but also it's becoming very attractive to Black people because they whoever these people are, the selective um, people, they are now making it so that Black people can take up these professions because they're seeing a rise in, you know, ethnic minority people having mental health issues and they only want to relate to Black psychologists, Black therapists. And I think it's important that 
we willingly go and do these things before they tell us that it's time for us to do it. So yeah, hopefully that kind of answered some. I think it's a very, it's a very wide, um, yeah, there's a lot of things that can come from that one question, but I think definitely confidence um, and the, the need to belong and deserve to be in that field is one of the main things. I hear that. I do think, I guess what I'm thinking about, so I think it is, I think that um, you are very well suited, knowing you as long as I've known you, I think you're very well suited to the role of a therapist. I think you'll make, you make, you must be an amazing therapist um, that I can imagine having you in the space, um, that a therapeutic space and like how you hold that space, because I know how you do it for us as your friends and family. Um, I'm very like I'm going back 15 years now and like <laughs> I would never have been like yeah there was gonna be a therapist never like the last thing Thanks. an actress an, a- an actress an athlete a model a dancer um performing arts um hairdresser like there was a million and one different things <laughs> that I would have been like yeah Laura might be that um nurse yeah midwife yeah all of that babysitter au pair <laughs> whatever there's a million and one different things never in my life would I have been like 15 years later there was going to be a therapist from a more personal place knowing the journey you tweeted something not too long ago a couple months ago I think and it was something like people have changed like people change like allow people room to change or something like that um and I think that um, it's mad interesting to me because I think on the one hand, like, yes, you have really changed. We have really changed. Um, but then on the other hand, I think like there are fundamental things. So like you, I, like you so beautifully said, like you, it's, you always thought that you would be supporting people to give birth, but now it's kind of just changed what they're giving birth to. I think there are some fundamental kind of like characteristics but also for me experiences that make you very well placed to do what you do and when I think about like a lot of black women that I know that informally hold space so they're not therapists um they're not qualified um Mm -hmm. they informally hold space and you touched on it you touched on like the importance of learning boundaries um the importance of like doing that in a way so we're not so for example for me I have studied certain things so I can be out here giving advice that I don't actually know or like holding space in a way that could potentially be harmful despite my good intentions and I think there's something about that the transition from like my experience of the world or my my negative experiences were this and I want to use it for good but I guess uh, and these are just my thoughts so it's not a question at the end of this but I guess it's just like how do we do that safely how do we do that safely like the people that we're supporting but also for ourselves like holding boundaries like I'm tired for me I'm, I've reached a place in my life where I am extremely boundaried about offering people support the toll it takes on me when I'm like there are some weeks I remember that there are some weeks in my life where I'm like I've been on the phone this week for no duration, 20 plus hours just dealing with people's stuff and there's no remuneration there's no and not that I'm like obviously like it gets like that in it and environments that we're from um the people that I'm around there's 
always stuff that like, I think in life there's always stuff but I think the kind of stuff that I'm talking about is like deep stick violence like just deep 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 kind of stuff in it it's not like oh my manager at work is upsetting me it's kind of like real deep traumatic experiences that are constantly around me um so yeah I guess I guess my thoughts are, are around how do we hold space safely what have you learned through the process of like actually studying psychotherapy so you're not no, you're no longer like the the hood whisperer you're no longer like the person that just yeah informally holds space for people actually have a qualification what have you learned through that process about how to kind of harness your desire to, to help and support your community the hood whisper is so funny um and so relevant one of the main things for me is practicing silence silences um i think often we speak too much um and that's where boundaries are completely thrown out the window because we're always trying to be somebody's saving grace because they've come to us at a point of need one of the ways to protect oneself and also like allow people to come to the place where they can make decisions for themselves, like see themselves as the master of their own life, is literally just silence, sitting and holding the space for someone, allowing them to, to vent and speak, etc. But literally just allowing them to do that. And I guess throwing questions back at them, because um, I think I mentioned earlier that people become very reliant on us when they see that we're consistently holding the space and always have the answers. And I guess it's about really questioning yourself on what if I don't have the answers? I, I can't always have the answers. And so what am I going to do then? And it might be that you don't have the answers because you're not in the mood or you, you haven't gone through it and you, gen you genuinely don't know like what to say about that. And you don't want to get to a place where you've disappointed the person because you don't have the right answer. So just being very mindful of what you think you have to do and I think silences is very important I've learned that in private practice and with I guess platonic relationships or just yeah just so many different things just literally knowing my place on when to say things and when to not because some people can literally take on everything you say and if they end up then doing something that you would do that is not for them what could be the implications of of that so just kind of taking yourself away from being responsible for other people's actions letting them being responsible for their own actions just allowing them to really sit with themselves and come to decisions for themselves to be honest and I think that's something that we practice um, as therapists a lot because this is how you can have clients for years on end and it, it, that's not a, a bad thing but they have to get used to change they have to get used to um, self-actualization and conditions of worth and knowing that they ultimately are making the decisions we're just there with a guided mirror um, and I think that is also something that you can use in, in practice with personal relationships because it, it, it can easily get you to a place of burnout like being on the phone for like time and time on end I always think to myself and to people if you're constantly practicing compassion with other people um when are you getting that time to to practice that with yourself when are you being kind with yourself I think the, the main thing would be silence and knowing when to speak and knowing when to kind of just let others chime in for themselves 
Yeah, that's a good question that you asked, Ez. I think that there's um, a lot of narrative on social media, particularly that I see around like being an empath and um, having this like unending capacity to hold space for people and to feel and whatever, whatever. Then this that narrative that's attached to that and people just want to hurt these empathic people. But boundaries is so central to like everything, which I'm definitely learning. You've made some really important points, Laura, in what you've said around being boundaried with holding space. Yeah, knowing that you don't have all the answers. Yeah, I think also like within therapy, like we're so there's, you know, different things that we're aware of, like stuff like countertransference and transference. And whereas as therapists, we're trained enough to recognize that that easily happens in our friendships, our family conversations, etc. And whereas you might be the great advisor, the great healer and helper, if you don't know, if you can't identify these things, you're just literally going. And with counter-transference and transference is like, so for example, you can have a client who um, sees you as the abandoned mum that they had and that plays out in your therapeutic relationship and you pick that up and, you know, kind of throw it back. That can happen in friendships, like, what if this friend sees you as the sister or the partner etc and they're literally throwing things at you and you're unable to identify that if you can't place certain boundaries and be honest where you you don't know what to do at this point with this person and I guess practice silences that can get really toxic so I think it's just a case of yeah boundaries being the, the main thing um, but just also being honest about knowing where you can help and where you can't. Yeah, and we know that. We know that too often Black women take that position in it. We know that. So we know that, like, in a non-boundaried way, in a non-held way, in a non-necessarily thought-through way, but we know particularly too often, like, historically, black that's the role that Black women have played in our community and tend to play so I think it's really important I think it's really powerful that you're that you have gone through a process of like actually training I know I've seen the ways that that has supported you in your um, personal relationships as well you do bare things like you're not just a therapist so yeah do you want to tell us a little bit more about what you do outside of therapy and how you balance that because I guess and we speak about this we speak about this quite regularly I guess my perception of like therapists I, I don't think I think of therapists lives outside of the therapeutic space and I think that like historically therapy has been quite a one-dimensional role I've not imagined um therapists to kind of like be, be doing bare different things but um you very that you manage doing lots of different things at the same time yeah how does that play out in terms of like what do you do firstly what other things do you do do you want to tell the listeners but also how does that play out in terms of like where you prioritize your time your role as a therapist where does that come how does that come in yeah I always get a bit shy when I speak about other things Side of being a therapist I write I'm not necessarily writing for anyone at the moment do like different kind of newsletters just kind of expressing it's, it's kind of like a open diary and I've just um, self-published a book called Letters from the Heart. That was important for me over the last two years to get back into that. 
I call myself a trying academic because I always felt as though that I had to literally try my way through academics. I don't think I've been the, well, not even, I, I don't think, I know I'm not the most academic person, but somehow I always get into these kind of um, things. And I guess there's a reason for it. So writing just really is it's one of my ways of healing to be able to pick up a pen and write whatever I want without somebody having to mark it is so important to me. So that's what I do there. And then I've got a skin and cosmetics line called Zuri. I'm actually even like closing my eyes whilst I say this because I don't disclose that I'm the person behind it, but we're actually going through like a rebrand. And um, essentially that's also like makeup therapy. So everything I do is kind of linked to some sort of therapy. And right now we're rebranding because it's just about really bringing it close to um, community just stripping away like this ideology of what like we should look like um, in the media and just linking it back to like who we are like who we actually are um, at the core so um, that's what I do um, I do a bit of like social media content um, there's so many other things that even now like I'm going through the list and it's a lot and I guess balance is very hard I won't lie it's, it's very hard um, and I think now more than ever with this pandemic, I'm realizing the importance of routine. So not overwhelm myself. I just literally take on things day by day. So I probably won't like mix more than two different things on the same day, just because like I need to consistently have time for myself. Otherwise I cannot be for anybody else. Um, but it's very interesting about the one dimensional therapist because this is what, for me personally, this is what I used to see on TV. And it's like, even being, so on social media, like I've actually only got one video of myself and that's just basically promoting my book, but I don't like that space so much, but I'm learning to like gravitate towards it. That's been a question for the last year. People are going to see me in so many different fields and how do I feel about that? And it was a struggle at first, but generally now I don't, I don't care. I have, this is what I have to do. The generation that we're in now, we're so, like, we're literally so multi-faced that we're going to be doing different things because there's so many different ways to, like, generate money. And for me, it's about generational wealth. So, like, I can't just be stuck to one thing. And to be fair, I don't think it's my purpose to just be stuck to one thing. Like, I genuinely feel like I've got different gifts and talents for a reason. And it's it's my role to literally tap into all of those. And if I can, like, somehow like bring them all together which I try to then that's what I do um and I know there'll be more things to come up but yeah I guess for me at the moment routine has just been a very key thing of how I manage all those all of those things that I do and I'm very big on if I don't want to do something I'm not going to do it because honestly that can lead to such bad anxiety um especially in the times that we're in and I'm just I, I can't be in that space to constantly be anxious so I'm just very intentional about everything that I do now I love what you've said there Laura about um one not doing things that you don't want to do because of the anxiety that is literally something that I think I only just learned like in the last half of last year that the anxiety is <laughs> That you don't want to do this thing or that you've got a process that you find this thing hard um I love what you said there and I like that you've 
been really forthcoming about all of the different things that you do and yes like everything like we are not only multifaceted but also I think some of our backgrounds particularly as black working class people we might not necessarily have the privilege of studying and um, qualifying in whatever field and that just like being able to absorb our whole life or um, our, our whole working life surrounding that one thing similar to yourself Laura like I have to <laughs> I do several jobs and that's just because I have to do that in this season of my life I wanted to ask you as well actually so you made a point that most black therapists that we hear of are typically like middle-aged and you're obviously um, a young woman in your 20s that is um, taking up this position one I wanted to know in terms of like your elders and stuff what is that dynamic like so not only elders so clients but also elders like family and I also wanted to know like do you feel like the younger generation have a lot to teach the older generation actually yeah so times are changing so we're we're definitely going to see a rise of a lot of young um, black male and female therapists which is really good but also I guess my worry there is that there is still some attachment to what kind of black therapist you see because I feel like even though there'll be a rise of young black therapists some people may still prefer to go for that middle-aged black male female therapist because they're more experienced etc so that's I think that's something that is going to go on for a while to be fair but to be honest most of my clients are quite young and probably some of them recognize I'm slightly younger than them or just a bit older than them but I think as time goes on you realize that it's just more about the experience and the therapeutic relationship more than anything else and in terms of dynamics, so you said it, about like older clients. Yeah, there was one actually that, so I was, before I got this client, um, I was very conscious of that. So older black lady, and I always felt like any older black lady that I have as a client will probably just see me as their daughter. And maybe there'll be some like, like boundaries that are crossed there or just mm. that challenge me you know to see my competency like if I can handle this or not but I guess training there's loads of ways in which we can combat that so there's just different questions that um we could ask just to kind of even like break the ice so I'm just like well practice so this wasn't actually a real client but because there was such so much concern around that I remember just asking like a practice client what I would say and I think one of the things I would say is um, I'm wondering if you're struggling to visit this topic with me because you see me as someone that's significantly younger than you and potentially I don't you think I don't have experience and then letting the client you know unfold and say what they say so it's, it's really about being congruent honest non-judgmental just having that space for whoever your client is I guess that's not to say that it, it's not going to happen but I guess there's just ways in which we can go about it and that brings us on to the unlearning there's so much that we have to teach the older generation I feel like we learn a lot Mm. from but there's also a lot of things that like we no longer want to like enforce in our own like personal relationships or just the way that we are there's just so much things that has just happened from generation to generation 
been passed down that's just not a part of us. So for me, I think it's very important about co-creating a new identity. A lot of times we're just literally like, just, we've just taken so many different pieces from so many people who came before us, which not, it's not always a bad thing, but I guess really thinking about what is mine and what is actually theirs? Like, what do I have to like leave behind? And what do I want mm. to bring forward with this new identity that I'm trying to co-create? And I guess within the therapeutic dynamic, having an older client, there's a way that we can do that. So like, I guess one the example that I brought up, but just being open to like questions and stuff. And I guess from assessment stage, there's a lot of things that can be teased out in that, to be frank. And I, I honestly do think that there are like a lot of people who are like middle-aged that actually do want to learn from young people but for them to do that there's this challenge that they have to go through first I guess it's just that thing of like a certain authority which like we have to try and break down but that's just something that is constant work to be honest. Yeah I think that when I started therapy it was like it was like an unraveling and as you said like an unlearning but yeah it felt a lot like an unraveling of all of the things that my well not all of the things but so many things that my mum had taught me and told me mm-hmm. and so also living with my mum and her still living like by these quote-unquote quote-unquote rules or ways of like thinking and stuff like that and I am in the process of unraveling was so like there was such a tension there and mm-hmm. of course like there's the whole respect stuff respect your elders just all of that all of this stuff I just think it's such a tricky dynamic and even what I would presume to be like a loving relationship between mother and daughter with me and my mum it threw up so many challenges when I'm like living my life in a different way maybe or expressing like different beliefs or maybe even straight up challenging some of the things that she's saying. It was re- it's like really tricky. So I can't imagine being in the role of therapist um, and having to navigate those things. Yeah, ma'am. There's just things that we have to, protocol that we have to follow anyway. So like respect, non-judgmental, being congruent. Like there's just different mm. things that we have to um, practice as therapists, but also as clients, there's things that, you'll go through from from assessment that you have to kind of automatically like shed away from you know certain principles that you have grown with and that can a lot of times still show up in the in the therapeutic room but the way that we have to be as therapists which is like when I spoke about the counter transference and transference that is one of the ways in which these difficult relationships with like families and like what we've learned from them come up I guess it's important for us as therapists to recognize this and know what part we have to play so sometimes Mm. we have to play that professional mum or or dad or sister but Mm. basically navigating it in a way that like we're allowing the client to see that this is not that relationship this is this is a different relationship and we're working through this um but I guess if it gets to a point where it becomes extremely disrespectful, which is rarely ever to be fair, then there's different consequences. But I guess it's important for us because if you're dealing with like somebody who's had a difficult relationship with their mum, like especially abandonment, like in the black community, which is very big, that's actually what my research is on. 
that kind of client can do so many things um, intentionally and non and non intentionally to make sure that the therapist abandons them because that's what they're used to, mm. and we recognize that be very strict with boundaries so even something like that how we will tackle it is making sure that we're always prompt in sessions so they can they can be clients that can do a lot of testing like for example sessions 15 minutes they might show up on the last 15 minutes and they just show up because they want to know if you if you are there they want to know if you're if you're that therapist that's there for them or if you're that mum that has abandoned them so there's a lot of things that play out and I guess it's just really important to understand that you're on a journey with this person and you're co-creating that new identity together and the unlearning is not just for them but it's also for you um, as a therapist as well. That's really interesting you've said something that hit a bit of a nerve you know I'm not gonna lie (laughs) on a personal one um yeah my therapist um is kind of like um, how can I describe it she's just kind of changing her way of working so when I first met her she was very like doing one-to-one sessions with people now it's um perhaps slightly more corporate for the most part so she's like working a lot with larger groups of people and with like certain institutions um yeah and just working with groups group settings and I'm I'm assuming that it's like more contractual um, obligations versus like these um, where she's working one-to-one with somebody which is a little bit um, slightly maybe more personal but anyway um, she she um, let me know that like that was happening and she has scaled down um, how many people she works one-to-one with and all of that um, and she just was kind of apologizing in advance if um, in terms of scheduling time um she has to come back to, she might have to come back to me and say actually um this this doesn't work for me this week um and etc cetera, etc cetera, and is that okay for me and blah 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 um and I remember she we had this conversation and that was fine and then I think two weeks later she she changed our appointment she changed our appointment time she was like really just that like really assertive that like um, I'm good I can only do this time um, I can only do this time this week um, so you let me know sort of thing um, if not then we will have to reschedule for another week um, and I remember feeling a bit like what triggered me in what you said Laura was maybe it was like some some kind of abandonment basically maybe you triggered some kind of abandonment that I've never acknowledged mm-hmm. that um, is a thing that I should think about in regards to myself in terms of your research can you tell us a little bit more oh um I'm looking at from a psychodynamic and person-centered research the abandonment within the black community so abandonment and anxiety um around um yeah the black community and how that plays out in relationships most importantly um therapeutic relationships but just looking at that. So I'm doing a qualitative research and it is, it's very hard because number one, um, there's such little data around like the modalities that are used to combat that with black people in particular, which is why I can see that there's such a, a rise in call for black people to come into like research and therapy and 
um, like the medical field so that there's actually accurate data. Um, but it's a very big thing, especially like um, the absence of fathers, um, whether that be through like death or just, you know, like walking out um, with black women, um, especially, and just how that then kind of affects um, them later on and how like that literally goes hand in hand with the identity, um, the kind of relationship they take on, the kind of like traits and stuff like that, even down to like your personality trait, like, like how are you, I don't know if any of you guys have done the personality test, but um, mm. made a lot of my clients take that and a lot of them have come up as like INFPs. Um, <laughs> the ones that are INFPs, um, you can see the similarity and all of them actually um, have been abandoned by their fathers. So just getting really specific in what is actually the core issue here. So yeah, it's very big, um, but I'm literally just trying. And to be fair, like there's a lot of vulnerability in that. Um, but I think one thing I'm trying to make very known in this research is vulnerability is actually the courage to allow yourself to be seen rather than a sense of weakness and shame. Mm, it's so funny, Laura, I'm an INFJ. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an INFP, actually. You're an INFP, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, oh, um, can I, I find it so you? mad that you're, you're an I, Laura. Really? Would, yeah, definitely would not put you as a as an introvert. Yeah, but that's I, I, the thing is, I think with my personal relationships, because how open and free I can be with the people I've known. But it's interesting because it's like I'm only a certain way with people that I've known for years on. Like, but then I guess with if I don't know you, and I guess everyone can say if they don't know you, like they might be quiet at first, but. I think sometimes people don't realise when I'm like often very quiet and I guess that's probably where the introvertness comes of, comes up. Um, do, you know, do you know what though? The first ever time I saw, sorry to derail slightly, but the first ever time I saw, not saw it because I still don't see it, but basically remember when we went to Ghana in 2018 mm -hmm. um, for Rochelle's wedding mm -hmm. and like them that were like, the groomsmen were all like... I can't remember what they said, but they were like, oh, Ed's like basically saying that I'm like very extrovert. And they, they basically put me as the most like crazy or loud or out there or whatever. And I was like, Her, like me, you over me over you. But like the general consensus was that like I'm a lot more out there. But mm. I wouldn't say I definitely would not um, <laughs> would not say that. Um, but that was the first time I was like, okay, there is something about that how people outside of like your our friendship circle perceive you which is very different to how I perceive you as having known you as long as I have yeah even though I witness you in friendship with Ez Laura I I think I feel like I can understand that I from what mm. I've seen but yeah um I just wanted to ask you in terms of like the methodology and like getting people as part of your research um how how do you go about that I'm actually at the beginning of that um but at the moment it's just very so there is different forums that we've got access to um within our um institution that we can acquire that data but also like you're open to 
like exploring the different ways you could do that. So I guess social media being that one big um, platform of being able to do that. So I guess questionnaires and surveys in which you can do that, sending it across to friends and family and stuff. And I guess there's um, more access now that is online. You don't necessarily have to go about and search. Um, mm. So yeah, but I guess it's about, yeah, people being comfortable with that because it's anonymous anyway, but because it can be quite triggering you know, you can hand out these surveys, these questionnaires and stuff, but it's about like who's actually going to complete it um, and send it back. Um, mm. So this is actually quite, um, it sounds very large, which it is, but this is actually quite small scale research, but I have to actually continue it next year for the um, PhD. And that's where I guess it's going to get real for myself and the participants, because mm. at some point, I'm going to have to, I will see myself in that um, because I feel like we face abandonment in, in different dynamics, like whether that be work, um, intimate relationships, platonic relationships, like family. Um, and this is where like that vulnerability comes in. Um, and Brene Brown is like one person that I love her research. She does a lot of research around like shame and guilt mm-hmm. and spoke about when she was doing that research how she recognized herself and that's actually when she first had to go to to therapy um so I guess I'm just even on the journey of really exploring because it's so specific and so close to me as a black woman researching on other black women having to actually put myself in there I'm really grateful that you're doing that research I'm really grateful that there are women like you um like us that are having these conversations and taking up space in the therapeutic world um because it's so important it's so important and I think it's a real I think once the theory like once that theory and that research is in place it will really um support the shifts that we want to see in the black community um so yeah man big up yourself I'm proud of you always proud of you um but yeah I think that's a good note to end on thank you so much for coming on law um and thank you so much for listening guys thank you bye bye I can't come here and die I can't come here and live got all this shit on my mind like what the fuck I'm a day work ain't paid me in time my baby just ripped in my mood Two just cut off my life